Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking about the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. Yay! And then we'll talk about the A's. We'll remember an iconic and eccentric Las Vegan, and we'll talk about excellent barbecue around the valley. I'm joined by publisher of the list.vegas, Andrew Corrali, and co-host David Figler. It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Hello, Andrew. Hello, David. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Vogue. Hey, Las Vegas. <laughs> well, we got to talk about, obviously, number one thing is that we won the Stanley Cup. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, I mean, they're a pretty young team, but they have a dedicated fan base, also kind of like a lore that has risen up around them. So, Andrew, can you give us some examples of our... Uh, Golden Knight stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating how this team has been so strongly embraced by the community. And of course, we all know that it has to do with the origin story, how they started in the wake of October 1st, terrible mass shooting. And I, I think that accounts for a lot of that community love for VGK. Yeah. And it's mm. always fascinating to me that all these kind of rituals and traditions and, and, and lore kind of, you know, accretes around the, the team. And um, yeah, I was thinking about some of them. Um, of course, there's the way people all shout night in unison during that, you know, line of the national anthem, you know, proof through the through the night. Yeah. And um, that's always a, a rousing moment. Moment. The flamingos um, thing is particularly fascinating to me. Um, and What's this started the flamingos in... thing? So it started in 2018. This local gentleman, Drew Johnson, uh, started bringing flamingos to to the game, and it kind of caught on. So now people will toss them on the uh, on the ice after a victorious game. They'll bring stuffed flamingos, flamingo shirts, and I thought that was always kind of an interesting sort of parallel in that flamingos <laughs> technically have very little to do with Las Vegas, right? They're not right. native to, to Southern Nevada. But, you know, there's the iconic Flamingo Hotel, Flamingo Road. And so in a way, in as much as hockey is kind of a counterintuitive join with, with Las Vegas, I think the Flamingo thing is an apt uh, ritual associated with the with the VGK. Another thing they do is apparently the VGK team takes this uh, Elvis wig and glasses with them whenever they're oh my gosh. Um, you know, touring a, a, and, and uh, they'll wear it after a victorious Boo. game. Word is that it, it remains unwashed and gets quite funky oh, that's over gross. the course of the season. Yeah. So it's kind of like a little mini MVP thing that they do after a, uh, after a, you know any given game. The dubious honoree gets to wear said uh, Elvis wig and uh, other ritu- other rituals as well in hockey that are that are always fun. You know, the playoff beards um, where they don't shave during the entire playoff, you know, sporting <laughs> these rich, luxurious uh, medieval beards. But actually, and in in a lot of the fans, one of my good friends is a mega fan. Of course, he was, you know, at the at the Stanley Cup game. He'll wear or not wear or rewear certain items. Um, if he wore them during a victorious game, he'll wear it again, you know, after washing mm-hmm. it. But if he had 
if he wears a jersey during a game where they lose, won't ever wear it again, you know, during the season. It's sort of like off limit. So, you know, there's a lot of sort of magical thinking um, that, uh, that, you know, goes along with uh, with hockey. So, yeah, always fascinating. I think it just shows how much you've come to love the, the, the Golden Knights. Team sports to me is like, it's kind of like your least toxic form of tribalism that you can, you know, kind of engage in, right? <laughs> yeah, it can get heated, can get nasty, but overall, fairly harmless. You know, I love it. David, did you ever think that Las Vegas would have such team spirit? As a born and raised Las Vegan, I always thought the city was like, weirdly team spirit proof because, you know, of our transients, our, our supposed rootlessness. So I always thought it was just really exciting to, you know, finally have a team where people actually really rally together. I kind of thought we would never have that. How about you? What are your thoughts on that? Ha- hashtag Vegas born emoji. Um, not surprised. <laughs> I, I lived through UNLV's 1990 triumph on the national stage and the entire city was, yep. dare I say, even more excited than what's going on right now with the Stanley Cup. And and hockey has been in Las Vegas. People tend to forget. It didn't come out True. of nowhere. We've yep. had semi-professional and professional teams floating in and out of our uh, desert ice rinks with their, their sandproof Zambonis since the late 1960s. <laughs> And so, you know, hockey is is part of the fabric. I am excited at the level of excitement, but as many people have said, Vegas truly does love a winner uh, unless we could exploit the loser. Mm. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, and that's good. That's good context because, uh, yeah, we. I, I mean, we have been a hockey town. You know, we had some short-lived teams over the years, but I feel like you know the glue has you know is sticking, and uh, it's great to see the the team spirit out there in the community. Yeah, I love it. And you know what's even funnier, guys? I This morning, I was like Googling stuff. And if you type Golden Knights into Google, the scores will pop up for the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. and then uh, animated fireworks pop up on the screen. So even Google is celebrating us, y'all. So Okay, I thought I'd been hacked the- or something. <laughs> oh, but I also want to really quickly mention that Asia Wilson put out a uh, shade tweet towards the president of the United States who congratulated the Vegas Golden Knights on bringing Las Vegas its first major professional championship. And she's like, "Uh, hello, September, (laughs) the aces. Uh, We're still waiting for that invite to the White House. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting, too. And I wonder if a lot of people are going to jump on uh, her bandwagon saying, as much as we're proud of the, the Golden Knights, we're also proud of the aces. They also had a parade down the strip. Yep. Right. Uh, that's that's Biden's issues and his team's trash oversight. But either way, <laughs> I mean, she could write a letter and complain to him directly. But like right underneath their winning, uh, it's like deflating their win. So for me today, <laughs> we're going to celebrate. <laughs> we can celebrate what uh, the Stanley Cup win is for the Vegas Knights, them hitting their specific goal and working hard. And one team winning doesn't decrease the win of the other team. We celebrated the Aces when they won. And today, <laughs> we're celebrating the Stanley Cup winning Golden Knights. I know. Just a whole lot of winning going on in Las Vegas right now. Exactly. With the exception of yep. possibly um, baseball things. What a transition. On that note, let's talk about the uh, <laughs> the A's possibly, probably coming to Vegas. Uh What's the latest update? Well, yeah, it looks like that public financing piece is now a done deal. The special session come to the close. 
governor signs and boom, $380 million package to the billionaire to bring his troubled Oakland A's to Las Vegas, maybe. So basically, there was a lot of behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, no transparency, horse trading with legislators and negotiating, though it doesn't sound like they really were at the top of their negotiating game. And now the A's have the option to come here because that part of the puzzle has been put into place. Here's funny, though. They're still seemingly talking with Oakland and other places. So this may have all have been just a bargaining chip at the end of the day. I don't know. Are we just exhausted about thinking and talking about the A's, y'all? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The thing that's interesting to me is the, the disconnect between just the fierce political will to bring this team to town and the sort of machinations that are you know happening in the legislature, the disconnect with what seems to me public opinion. And by public opinion, I mean like on the socials, it seems like everybody is on broad principle against the idea of spending public money to bring this team to town. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, dismaying to me that the legislature's, you know, sort of will to bring the the A's to Las Vegas is completely unaligned with, you know, how your average person kind of feels about it. And not just social medias, Andrew, but, you know, people who the thousands of people who bother to register and lodge their opinion on the legislative website were in mm-hmm. the high 80s against this project. High 80s. I mean, folk. Does it offend you in any way that like all this deal making is happening and as members of the public, we don't know if it's good deal making, bad deal making or what it even entails? I mean, I don't feel offended because it's par for the course and I called it. So <laughs> you ooh, did. I'm so surprised. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm, you know, it's disappointing to watch it all unfold again and again and again. And, you know, I hope when they come, they do a lot of great community service work and work with some of our, our kids in town that want to become, you know, professional baseball players. And I hope they donate some money into the community because I feel like they're coming. So here we go. (laughs) Wow, the disappointed resignation in your voice. Yeah, it says it all. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. While we're on topics that are are sad, 
<laughs> um, I know. Not, not well, tragic, sad. A gentleman who I've literally heard this man called like a true Las Vegas weirdo. It was like a loving, <laughs> a loving description, but also people called this man their favorite politician. Uh, we're mm. talking about former Lieutenant Governor of Nevada, Lonnie Hammergren. He passed away. And I even saw somebody call him an East Side legend. And so mm-hmm. there's like so much interesting bipartisan, Sand Hill represent. <laughs> bipartisan love for Lonnie Hammergren. Sand Hill Flamingo crew. <laughs> so David, tell us why people love him so much. For a crusty old white guy Republican, beloved, and and I'm on that bandwagon too, and have been for for many many years. I, Lonnie Hammergren, clearly one of a kind. I mean, he was 85 years old, instantly recognizable out in the world with his uh, white 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 mustache and patriotic gear. He was Nevada's first neurosurgeon, I believe, back to 1971. Wow. He was a politician. He was on our board of regents when that seemed to matter even more than it does now. He was a lieutenant, a Republican lieutenant governor under a Democratic governor, uh, Bob Miller. That's cool. uh, but probably more than anything else, uh, and he had some fierce and funny political campaigns. He used to uh, distribute these extraordinarily impractical pencils with oh, a I giant those. hammer eraser on yeah. it. So hammer from Hammergren, that sort of thing. Totally fun. Collector items if you have them. But probably, like I said, more than anything else, it was his eclectic collection of artifacts and memorabilia, some three stories high that he Mm. kept in his backyard. I love it. And he would open his house and the house next door and the house next door, which he purchased all of them. Let people come in, especially on Nevada Day. It would be a fundraiser for some local charity. Oftentimes, the Boy Scouts were inside there selling hot dogs and lemonade. And you would go on this makeshift rickety tour, some of which were probably deadly in a lot of ways. I can't imagine that they complied with fire codes. But you would see replica Apollo capsules and signage from old Las Vegas casinos and janky amusement rides. He once staged his own uh, funeral or wake like years, years, years ago and had a New Orleans jazz band. I'm so confused. And wait, he had an Egyptian sarcophagus on his on his collection and he buried himself and then resurrected himself as part of the shtick. I mean, this guy was out there and wonderful. Vegas Jesus. Oh, he's a Nevada colorful character for the ages. He was also featured on two TV shows. Well, at least two TV shows. One, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous when he got married in 1989. (laughs) But also, unsurprisingly, Hoarders. And Uh. (laughs) his appearance on Hoarders was cringe really oh well i love like you know the focus on this like over the top collection i feel like you know so vegas has so many people that become characters right andrew do you feel like you know he's like a dying breed you know is vegas getting less weird now 
I kind of do think so. I was thinking about that. I mean, really, you know, he, he's sort of a, a paragon of, of of harmless eccentricity. When you say weirdo or, or weird, I think artists, you know, or bohemians, you know, haven't heard that word in a while. But, you know, in as much as it's just getting expensive as hell to live in Las Vegas, you know, given like, you know, rising rents and, you know, whatever the hell's going on with home prices. Uh, I have a lot of artist friends who are looking at other pastures because it's not as, uh, you know, a, a sort of welcoming place to the weird as it used to be. So in that kind of smaller sort of local sense, um, I would argue, yes. So um, I know it's a cliche to say, but maybe we need a, a, a keep Vegas weird uh, campaign. <laughs> I feel like it's never going to not be a weird city. Like I was describing the city to someone who was who was brand new and I was like, it's a weird yeah. city. Like, I don't know, just wherever you're from, Vegas is not like that. I, I just I promise True. that. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of in a lot of the ways that when people see an old sign or something like that, they're like, oh, I hope that goes to the Neon Museum. Uh, if there was any sort of weird Vegas artifact at a nightclub or on the street or just something that probably wasn't going to work but just was over the top, you used to say, I hope that winds up in Lonnie's backyard. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that was kind of his his impact. Yeah. yeah. Is it true that he had to sell his main house because he had spent so much money on acquiring objects that he, that he, that he was in debt? You know, that was the subject of that Hoarders episode. Oh. There was a discussion of the fine line between rich people being collectors and poor people being hoarders. And mm. they kind of were like, hey, Lonnie, no matter how much money you have, you're a hoarder. Yeah. And then it kind of came out as like, oh, yeah. And now we're like deep in debt because of all this. And we're probably mm. going to lose our house. Wow. So they had convinced him to sell off some of the items. And when it didn't garner a lot of money, because I mean, let's face it, as as cool as it was in that backyard, it was it was Sanford and Son elevated. It was junk. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of junk. It was cool junk. I mean, I got to see a Batmobile yeah. replica. Yeah. And there's a niche market for that kind of stuff. But it didn't make the money that they needed. And, you know, so it was a little sad near the end. But he has, he has family in town. And look, uh, in his passing, uh, I don't think anyone's going to remember his politics. He was fairly conservative and very patriotic in his thinking, if you just kind of read between the lines there. But- He's going to be remembered as just being a Vegas original and somebody who loved this city and the community mm -hmm. as much as anyone can. And he put his literally his money where his mouth is and created a spectacle on the east side. So re rest in peace, Lonnie Hammergren, and uh, condolences to his family. May his memory be a blessing to all who knew him and all who toured that janky, crazy, wonderful backyard. Today, this is the morning episode. It's like, <laughs> this is the roller coaster episode because what we're going to talk about now is one of my favorite barbecue spots in Vegas actually like ha uh, had an electrical fire. And the last time I checked, the owners were saying that it's going to be a total loss. Oh, so yeah. we're going to talk about Jesse Ray's barbecue. Uh, another RIP. Um, well, the good news is Jesse Ray's has a Henderson location. So now you just got to go a little bit further 
out to go and get your what they have coined as their Las Vegas style barbecue. The location that had the electrical fire, it was located like kind of behind Mandalay Bay. And I love that their menu used to have like quotes from different customers, just kind of everyday basic <laughs> quotes on yeah. the menu. Just This was delicious, like not a high end review, just like an everyday person being like, I'm from the South and this was delicious. <laughs> like those were those were like the little things that showed what they were about. And so they very unassuming what I would describe as hole in the wall. Um, but, and then appealed to like the kid at heart because they had waffle fries, they had tater tots. Mm. And then they stuck to their kind of regular elements of their menu of like the smoked ribs, chicken, pulled pork, hot links, brisket. And in true Vegas fashion, there was one big ass item that, you know, basically is, you know, good for heart attacks, but <laughs> was the fortress, which is a crown rack of spare ribs stuffed with French fries Whoa. and mac and cheese, your choice of another meat, and then topped like it's a cherry, but topped with a hot <laughs> link and then oh barbecue God. sauce drizzled across the top. And I it was called never... the fortress? The fortress. Oh, my God. And truly, you blow truly. in the candle and you root for your home team. Yeah, you just have a massive coronary. That would be great for, you know, a game. And usually, you know, <laughs> it, it lists as feeds, too. You could probably feed more people with it. But wow. it was one of my favorite spots. Like, oh yeah. And you, and said that, you said that they, they call themselves Las Vegas style barbecue? Las Vegas yeah. style barbecue. Yeah. yeah. What does that entail? Like, what style is that? Bold. I, I don't care. That's bold. To be, be Las Vegas style, anything in culinary, I love it. Right. I mean, I hats off to your to your confidence. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think the location, the that use of one big over the top item, and you know, some places I go to, I want to know the ingredients, right? I'm like, what's in yeah. this sauce? What's in because they sell their sauce. It was bottled. Uh, you know, I'll ask questions about what's the process, how is this cooked? This place, mm -hmm. I don't want any of that information. I don't care. I just know it was delicious. <laughs> I don't I don't intend to try and recreate this magic. I just want to go to this hole in the wall spot, order my good food, get my tray, know that my fingers are going to be sticky and maybe maybe the table's going to be sticky still because it's barbecue <laughs> sauce. It's uh, get these oversized buns and enjoy them. So I think, you know, just their the flavors of their barbecue sauces and then that decision to have one over the top thing is part of the Vegas style. But also they were just they were kind. You know, they are kind. Yeah, yeah, it's a kind yeah. like family business. David, do you have a favorite barbecue spot in town? Uh, I, I'm a downtowner. And so I was really happy when Soul Belly showed up. But I'm yeah. going to just say is it good? it's it's a little bougie. It's become a little pricey. The, yeah. the portions have shrunk a little since they first opened. Oh, but really? I'm going to say it's still damn good barbecue. I like it very, very much. And also yeah. a little hint treasure. Uh, if the line's too long at Soul Belly or you miss the hours or something like that, there's also a place across the street that's very good, too. It's called Braisewood Barbecue. And it's mm. kind of on the same block as Abel Baker. And because Soul Belly got you know, deservedly so much attention. Okay. A yeah. lot of people overlook Braisewood, but it's right next to a horse trailer hideout, which is a cute little drinking spot. Um, yeah, it's a little smaller, a little less ambitious, I think, to be kind of the place like Soul Belly, but two great options down on Main Street. Yeah, I'm a fan of, of Soul Belly as well. And uh, and Bruce Coleman, the, the chef and owner of Soul Belly, he's got an interesting philosophy 
his philosophy is like not focusing on any one region. It's kind of a greatest hits kind of thing where he'll do like the briskets, like Texas style, the pork ribs are Memphis style. Um, mm. Does like North it's Carolina yummy. dry rub. So in that sense, it's it's also Las Vegas style in that it steals from everywhere else and kind of <laughs> oh, yeah, and, uh, and and does its thing. And um, and another thing that's cool about Soul Billy is they actually do really awesome live music programming and you can see some really good rock bands there on the weekend some young local promoters are putting on some great shows they got uh, a blues jam that they do once a month um so uh yeah they've uh, they've nestled into the scene quite uh, quite comfortably mm. word i like that concept of vegas style being sort of elevated replication <laughs> exactly exactly yeah I love it. Over the top. Yeah, I think both of those things are it. Over the top and elevated uh, replication. Uh, and then if you have time to spend, you know, a good chunk of your day, then make the trip over to John Moles. Uh, what I, mm-hmm. I've literally only called it Roadkill Grill, which does not sound delicious. So I'm called by its whole name, which is John Moles Meats and Roadkill Grill. Which has the nerve to be delicious, but very like outdoor picnicy. Like you're not going to eat indoors at yeah. that location, but you can buy your meats, take them home, and cook them if you want to do that. So it's both like butcher shop and buy your food, sit on the wooden picnic benches, enjoy your food. It's legendary and was on Triple D. If you're a <laughs> if you're a Guy Fieri fan, <laughs> yes. So there's there's lots of great barbecue all throughout town, but uh, if you want to try Jesse Ray's, then Check out their Henderson location. I don't know what they're going to do with the the other one, whether or not they're going to try to fix it. I know on their socials, they said they're not putting out a GoFundMe or anything yeah. or anything like that. So if you see a crowdfunding thing, it is not the owners. So do not donate to it. Mm, good to know. Andrew and David, thank you so much for hanging out on CityCast Las Vegas. It's been great talking to you this morning. Thank you. Always fun. Always a fun Friday. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editors are Scott Dickensheets and Adrian Gonzalez. Our hosts are David Figler and me, Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwubi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend. Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Is this where I insert my inappropriate joke about burnt ends? being readily available at the old location. Maybe not. And I'll do the downward slide whistle. (laughs) Or the the loser uh, horn from Price is Right. Or the Charlie Brown teacher voice. (laughs) (laughs) 